Uh, so the next session will be about uh, secure programming and uh, secure systems and secure infrastructures. Uh, so uh, first talk will be uh, given by uh, Michael about uh, an access control uh, module for the Linux kernel. Thank you. Hello everyone. Um, so I'm Michael Sana. I work for the French Network Information Security Agency, and today I'm going to talk about um, the internals of, of Landlock, which is a project I started two years ago. So it is a Linux kernel module, uh, which is designed to uh, add a new layer of access control, um, and it is designed to help you as an application developers to, um, well, create sandboxes. <coughs> so it would mainly be focused on the eight series, which is the last one. So it is not included in the Vanilla kernel, but um, it is, uh, well, the process is currently taking a bit of time a bit of review, but we'll see that. <coughs> so here we want um, to mitigate two threads. Well, I, I uh, listed here two class of threads. So the first one is when you develop an application, uh, you may introduce some bugs in them. So that may then be exploited by some attackers. And the same is true for third party you may uh, be using your applications, like uh, libraries. So it can be also backdoor, but uh, because you don't um, control the code, uh, well, it can come from uh, untrusted sources, and this source can be compromised too. So here, um, the thread is that your application may be used against you as a developer or as a user. <coughs> There's multiple layer of defenses. Uh, the first one is to follow um, secure development practices. Uh, so we'll see some tradition in the next talk, I guess. Um, you also can use uh, hardened toolchains to mitigate runtime uh, runtime errors, which may be exploited uh, too. And then the last layer is to use security features provided by your your operating system. Um, so the idea here is to patch on your applications and to put each part in a dedicated sandbox. So here, Lanark is designed to help you do this. Um, partitioning and sandboxing. <coughs> so it helps you define um, and embed a security policy in your application, in your code, and then um, on the kernel side, uh, it, is, well, it will enforce the security policy you define for your application. So let's first start with the first demonstration. <coughs> So <coughs> here it is a uh, common use case. Uh, let's say we are a web server. It is a shell, a shell but anyway. Um, so we are in the slash public directory. And you can list, well, some files, which are not really web relevant here, but anyway. Um, so one matter here is with your uh, really uh, web skills, you can write some web page. Uh, so that it's OK. <coughs> but if you want to launch an application, well, a web server, you don't want this web server to be able to modify your web page. So here, um, I use um, userland helper, which is basically designed for Lanark. So it takes as arguments uh, an environment variable which say, well, this path, slash etc, and so on, will be available in a read-only way only including the slash public. 
and another configuration variable will say that um, a set of paths will be available in a, a read and write way, as the slash TMP, for example. So the helper is called lambda one here, and we'll launch uh, a shell. So for this demo. But it can be a, a website, of course. So here, the helper say that uh, we are in a new sandbox. And well, in fact, you can see that we are in the same directory. Um, but when you list the file in this directory, you can see well, what we saw before. Um, but you can see that there's some limitation. We cannot access the dot dot directory, which is the root directory, because it was not part of the policy. And uh, well, you can see the same here. <coughs> and of course, like say the policy, you cannot uh, write any anything in your web page. Uh, <coughs> so here, if an attacker compromises your web server, it will not be able to deface your, your web page. And because the policy didn't uh, talk also about the TMP directory, of course you can create some files here. You can list them too, but still you cannot access the slash, the root directory. And of course you cannot go in this directory too, neither list, list it. So that was the first glimpse at what you can do with uh, Landlock. But you may wonder, well, can you do this with other um, security modules or features provided by Linux? Well, this, of course, uh, multiple, uh, well, a lot of uh, different tools available um, for Linux, uh, from li for Linux kernel. Uh, for example, for ModuleSM, like it's in Linux, Apamor, Smart Automate, well, they all can provide some um, uh, some fine-grained access control, which means that you can um, well, write a security policy and apply it to a set of processes, set of users, and you can deal with uh, file access, uh, network access, sockets, and so on. Um, however, you cannot, well, they are not designed to embed the security policy in your application, so to have a standalone uh, security policy. And of course, it is designed for the system administrator, so you, can, you cannot use it as an untreated user. Um, there's also second BPF. So we talk a bit about, uh, well, some talk before talk about BPF. So basi basically second BPF is a kind of firewall for syscalls. So you can filter some, well, you can set, sell, say, this is called a load to be a, well, a call, um, but these ones are not. But you cannot enforce security policy to, let's say, a file. You can say, well, you, you want to access this file, and with second, you will not be able to. So it's not possible. Um, but a really interesting thing is that you can use it uh, without requiring uh, extra uh, rights. Also, there's namespaces, so it's the base of containers, uh, the base uh, features. Um, you can set kind of um, different, well, specific view for your applications or container, but it is not really an access control system. You can not enforce uh, some security on file descriptor, for example, or on some specific socket. But in some way, you can use it as an operated user, but there's some limitations with user spaces, and well, there may be some security issues as well. 
Um, here come Lanoc, so Lanoc designed to address all these three uh, goals to be used well, to define a fine-grained security policy, to be able to embed this security policy in your applications, and well, to run this application without requiring some extra privileges, like for example running as uh, SUID. And in a way, uh, what's, uh, what is specific to, uh, to Lanoc is that you define security policy in a programmatic way. So we'll see later how to do it. So first, an overview of Lanoc. So it's pretty similar. It's pretty similar to what you may know about SecComp. Um, so a process can define a security policy, load it in the kernel. So here it is. Um, you can see uh, that that these um, Lanoc programs. So these are the rules, the access control rules, and these rules can restrict the process which loaded them. So if the rule um, well, is defined to uh, allow some access, then uh, this access may be grounded by the kernel, otherwise it may be uh, denied. And so here, a LANAC program is in fact an eBPF program. So we had an introduction yesterday about eBPF. Um, it means extended Beckley packet filter. It is an in-kernel virtual machine, uh, which is designed to safely execute code in the kernel. Uh, it is already widely used by different components like uh, networking, uh, second BPF2 internally, and some uh, debugging features. One interesting thing about this uh, virtual machine and its by call is that you can call uh, some dedicated functions, which are dedicated to a kind of BPF program. So you cannot call uh, whatever code you want uh, in the kernel, of course. Um, and one of the interesting properties is that you can exchange some data between two BPF programs and any BPF program and the userland process. So it is kind of IPC, dedicated for BPF. Um, there is some security checking which, has, which are done when you when user alone load a BPF program in the kernel. For example, you cannot access well anything in the kernel. Uh, there is a strict memory access checks. Um, there is also some typing and tainting of the register, the virtual machine register, in a way that you cannot uh, well do um, um, well, you cannot uh, have some a typical type error. You can you cannot use a pointer as an integer, so on, which are, which also help to um, avoid pointer leaks. So you cannot leak memory or event addresses from the kernel to user space. And of course, there is some restriction on the execution flow. Uh, you can only execute your code, and uh, you cannot do denial of service because you cannot do loops. So it is really generic virtual machine, which can be used uh, for different purposes. And the other part of Lanoc is the LSM part. So LSM stands for the Linux Security Module Framework. So it is designed to implement um, well specific uh, poli uh, security policy model in the kernel um, in a way that can define what is allowed or denied to user space. 
Um, there's a lot, well, it's mainly an API, so it is designed to help you uh, write your own Kana code. But of course, as a Kana developer, as a, an application developer, you don't want to mess with the Kana. There's a lot of pitfalls, and you don't want to introduce some secu uh, new security issues. So, well, it is designed only for Kana developers. But Dunlock here is kind of a gap, uh, a bridge between this framework and user space. So it is a way to expose some of these uh, properties to userland developers. There's also a set of hooks, which define a set of actions, um, programs, which define a security policy, and some triggers uh, for which these programs may be executed. For example, if there is a read or write action in the file. But a really important thing about Landlock is that it is designed to be used um, to be usable for unfledged users. And this means that we need to safely handle malicious policy. Because Landlock should be available to everyone and we can't tell if an application is or will be malicious. Uh, either um, as is or after a um, uh, compromission. So we have a trust issue and we need to handle this. <coughs> so there is, well, different properties. Um, one of it is to be able to have multiple independent security policy loaded in the kernel and enforced at the same time. But of course, uh, you don't want to mess with another security policy, which is defined for another application and may be developed by another developer. You also want well this security policy to be tamper-proof, which means you don't want to be able, for example, to inject some code in a process which is not in a sandbox in a way that will allow you to escape the sandbox. Um, Another interesting and really important property is the ignoxiousness. You don't want to well, um, lower the security of your kernel and of your system. So for this, um, it is, well, the first part for user space is that you don't want, uh, as a developer or even as a system administrator, to have a lot of uh, SUID applications. You don't want application to need some privileges to be able to drop some of them. And from the kernel point of view, you don't want, uh, well, to be able to expose too much code from the kernel uh, to, to have a, too much important uh, attack surface. Uh, for this, well, the Landlock security element code is about uh, 2,000 second line of code. And it uses a static analyzer uh, from the EBBF virtual machine. So the idea here is really to move the complexity from the kernel with an um, abstraction of the virtual machine, the BPF virtual machine, to move this complexity from the kernel to user space. And then the idea is to have, well, the kind of complexity you may have with a security policy only on the user space uh, part. <coughs> so there's also you may also want to um, protect some resources from uh, the resources uh, of your process um, in a way that 
you want to be able to sandbox in applications, well, you must have at least the same privileges of this application. Otherwise, you may, uh, as a side effect, uh, well, do a privilege escalation. And from the kernel side, um, as does eBPF, you also want to avoid um, a lot of, lot of you know, different leak of information, like for example, uh, kernel addresses. And also you don't want to, well, to help a malicious program to load the security policy, malicious one, to get some more information that otherwise it will not be able to have access to. And because an example need to have some knowledge of the system, well, it is kind of challenging to be able to uh, be able to enforce security policy without giving to, well, more information to a potential attacker. So mainly the idea here is that the security policy should only be able to enforce an access control on objects which are already viewable and available to the process which loaded it in the kernel. In other words, it means if you want to restrict some access to some files to an application, the process which load a safety policy in the kernel should be able to read or at least have some access to this file already. And here come the most difficult part, how to identify a file path. <coughs> um, the main idea here is to use the same principle as the kernel when you do an access to a path. You do a path walk, which means you start from the first directory, slash, and goes through every point until the end, uh, the last file, or the target. And for this, we have multiple learner program. So we'll see now how we can do this. Um, <coughs> so we want uh, to, to restrict access to a subset of the file system, which is the more obvious way to define safety policy. For example, you want an application to only access your home directory and nothing else, only you download directory and nothing else. But the challenges is, uh, well, you want this um, access control, LANLAC, to be efficient. Um, you may also want to be able to update this access control on the fly. For example, if you are, um, well, browsing the web and you want to upload a file, well, your browser may be sandboxed, so it may not have access to all your files but you may want at some point to allow him it to upload a file which is not in the initial whitelist to, let's say, uh, a webmail or so on. And so the Enterprise property brings some uh, challenge here. For example, you cannot use external attributes because these are tied to the file system and may not be available if your file system is in a read-only way, and well, you, you may not be allowed to write these external attributes on any files as an unprivileged user. And you may not be able to use absolute paths, well, this may be a bad idea, um, because for example, if, you are, well, if your application is running in a container, uh, 
and well, the LSM part of the kernel do the passwork, may do the password from the top of the file system. You don't want your application in the container to be able, thanks to a security, to have some information um, from um, the parent file system. So there is some technical issues here, which are addressed uh, by Lanark. And this is addressed with a new kind of eBPF map. So just as, as a reminder, a map is a way to uh, change information between two eBPF programs and an eBPF program uh, with user space process. So the idea here is to be able to identify an inode, an inode, and in a way that may be useful to identify a set of uh, file hierarchies. So basically, the idea is to tag an inode, but not on the file system, on the map. So this, this tagging only stay in memory. So you don't, you don't need to touch the file system. So let's see another demonstration. Um, Uh, with a dynamic uh, access control. So it is pretty similar to um, the, the one we saw just before. Um, so here we first need to mount a specific file system which is designed to UBF. So it is this, this one virtual file system is already on uh, the Vanilla kernel. Um, it is designed to pin an EBF object, which may be a BBF program or a BBF map. Then uh, I use, well, the helper uh, we saw before. Um, so we said that there's a set of paths which should be accessible in a read-only way, and also a set of paths which should be accessible only, well, in a read and write way. But we also said that um, we pin the map which lists all these paths on the file system. So it is kind of a reference to this map available through the file system. And then we launch, we launch the, the shell. So we are again in a sandbox. And what you can see here is that, well, it's working as expected. But you can see that, well, something are uh, missing here. So, in fact, we see the UID and GID of the file, which, is, which are correct, but we don't see the username and group name. So, do you know why? What is missing here? Yes. So, there's two files which are missing, which do the mapping between well, a name and a UID or GID. It's an ETC password and an ETC group. This is why so we, we have a read uh, prompt. So what we can do here is just to have this new path to the policy. So we use um, another helper, which is pretty similar, which takes two paths um, as argument. <coughs> and this helper will say that we want to add these two paths to the map, which is um, reference on the file system. So here, the interesting thing is that there is no daemon. Everything happens in the kernel. 
So we just type this, and then we, and we list it. Well, it's working because this path, well, this, this new files are now accessible. And if you, if you want to fix the prompt, well, we need to restart the shell because bash doesn't uh, recreate the prompt on the fly. So how does this work? Um, so I go a bit quick because uh, I'm running out of time. Um, so mainly this. Uh, two kind of uh, Linux programs. Uh, let's say there's one for uh, working through a path and another one to really execute an action on a file, for example, a read or write. So the first one is fswalk and the second one is fsp. So here <coughs> it is the example we saw, uh, the, first example, uh, the first demo we saw. Um, so at the bottom you can see um, the map, which contain uh, the path as key and um, as value a tag. Um, so when, so this is <coughs> a walk through a file path from the kernel point of view. So at first, the kernel evaluates the slash, the first one, um, and um, this path is not in the map, so um, the security policy doesn't uh, know it. Uh, do nothing special. At the second step, um, the program loaded in the kernel uh, can identify the slash public directory because it is on the map. Yeah. And from this part until the end, it will uh, be able to record this state in a program context. So it is some information which are available as program input, and until the end, slash uh, public, slash web, and slash index.html, um, this information is retained in a cookie variable, which here increments uh, when you go deeper in the path. And then the last uh, program type is an FSP, because it is an action, which in this case it is a, an open action. Um, so the FSP can evaluate all this path and then, in this case, allow it because this part, um, well, it is a sub-part of, um, it is a, inside a, a file key uh, listed in the map. Um, so how does this work? So now let's see how we can write a Linux program, how we can load it in the kernel, and how it is enforced on a set of processes. So the easier way to write a long program is to, well, it is in fact to write an EPF program, so you can use uh, Clang, uh, so write your code in C, then compile it in eBPF, then, um, well, embed this BPF uh, bytecode in your applications, and when the, the resulting process after an execution um, the resulting process can then load the can, can then load the bytecode in the kernel. So, well, we'll go really quick uh, on this slide. So basically, we define some metadata here, which are tied to the program. So we define that it is an FSPIC kind of hook. 
um, kind of program. Uh, we want to uh, chain some of the, well, another program before, so an FS work program to be able to evaluate the path, and this is an FS pick program. And then we say that this program should be executed for this set of actions, which is to append to a file, to create a file, and so on. Then here is the main Nanak program. <coughs> so it contains mainly uh, here a variable which read from the context, so it is kind of an argument of a function, uh, the cookie. So it is, a, let's say, the state of the chain programs. Then we call an update uh, functions, which is also a BPF bytecode, but uh, it is a bit too, too big for the screen. So in a nutshell, well, it takes the cookie as argument and look in the BPF map if um, the current uh, access, which is here, the context, uh, context, context is not here, which is the current uh, file which is uh, requested. If this file is in the map, then we can't uh, update the cookie. Or otherwise, if the cookie is not null, then you can increment it when we are going um, uh, down a path. So we then check if there's some uh, tag in this cookie, which is uh, written by the update cookie function. And if this file is marked as writable, then it is allowed, otherwise it is denied. So then, to load this program in the kernel, uh, we need some other metadata, which, has, which are really uh, eBPF generic. Um, so here it's a pointer to the bytecode that we compile from C to eBPF. Uh, we say that it is a landlock hook, and so it will only be usable by the landlock part of the kernel. And then we have the other metadata we defined just before. So here is a process which loads the BPF program in the kernel. And to apply this program to itself, or to another one, we use a seccom syscall and take as argument the file descriptor pointing to um, this program. So it is kind of similar to the uh, second BPF use. So once we load it, uh, the program in the kernel, um, we apply it to ourselves, and then for every access uh, requested to a specific uh, feature of the kernel, to a specific object, uh, the request goes through the generic LSM framework, then it is uh, redirected to the specific hook, which then look for the different programs which may be tied to the current process, and it then may be able to it then allow or deny the access. So in some more detail here, uh, for example, for the inode create hook, um, the kernel could first check if the current process is sandbox or not. Then, well, it called join functions, which is called uh, decide pick, uh, dedicated to the create action, 
which is specific to the inode create hook. And well, evaluate, well, uh, so take this trigger with the directory on which the, the file creation is requested. And for all the relevant programs which, which are tied to the current process, um, the kernel update the program context with a cookie and the directory, and then interpret the program and do this for every program which are tied to the to this current process until one of them denies the action. Okay, to wrap up, um, Landlock is designed to designed for user space hardening. Um, it helps you to programmatically uh, create a security policy and embed it in your application in a uh, standalone way. So it is designed for unpredged use to limit some privileged escalation. Um, it helps you um, create tailored policy specifically for your application. And you can make it evolve over time if you need to. So right now, the, some parts, well, some required parts uh, written for Landlock, which are upstream, but the main part is not. Um, the process is ongoing. Um, well, you can follow it, uh, the next uh, patch series on the LKML. And one really interesting thing is that to be able to use Landlock with another LSM, like Asunic, for example, we need to be able to stack different LSM. And this feature is also coming. Uh, it is not developed by, developed by me, but I guess, I hope we uh, get upstream this year. Thank you for your attention. And if you have any questions, please ask them now or later. Do you have something planned for auto-learning? Because I don't want to write rules for Firefox, for example. Well, <coughs> right now I'm focusing on the kernel code. Um, the kernel, yeah, the, well, is the LSM part. But this, um, to be able to, well, to learn what applications uh, do and what is legitimate for an application, yes, learning will be really interesting. Um, but it can be due from the user user point of view, uh, with already available features like um, pair for tracing or stuff like that. So, um, it Landlock is not designed to learn to f well to to um, uh, follow what an application can do, but you can do some of it too, um, in some way, because you can come well you can exchange some information between. Um, an EBBF program, which is in the kernel, which know what a process is requesting, and you can communicate between this program to another process, which may, for example, log some actions or some subsets of the file system which are uh, requested. So, in a way, with a mix of user space tools and some uh, smart 
um, learner programs, yes, you will be able to do this kind of uh, learning stuff. Are you expecting me to write script to do that, or are you planning to publish tools to do it? Well, there's a lot of work to do, so I will not do everything at once. Uh, but yes, um, once some code will be merged in the kernel, that will be the next step to add some more well, nice tooling. Thanks. Any other question? <coughs> Well, okay, thank you. Thank you.